right, so we're going to get started, guys. So, welcome uh, to church. I'm not going to sit down at all. I'm, I'm too excited and, and wired to sit down. So, that's not happening. Uh, up a little bit more. Just like a little bit. Don't like break a finger or anything. So, we are uh, in the second week. Let's get it. We're in the second week of a series that we're calling um, TikTok. And so, if this is your first uh, weekend, this is your first... Uh, Tom, with us, uh, just to clarify, uh, no, we are not watching videos all night. So if you came hoping to watch TikTok videos, go do that on your own time, okay? Because probably what y'all watch on TikTok is not good anyway. So if we do it here at church, probably not good, okay? Uh, so in this series, in this series, what we're talking about is how, is how we can get through waiting. Because uh, this Past weekend, or I guess two weekends ago, uh, we came off of a D-Now weekend where the theme was, what, y'all remember? Here I am. Here I am, right? And so last week we said that uh, even even at times, that, that part of every Christian life, a, a part of every person's journey involves waiting at some point. Because uh, even when you say, or even when you tell God, hey, here I am, send me, uh, even when you're on fire for God and you're ready to go wherever he's going to send you, he may say, hey, wait a little bit before I send you. Because sometimes he'll want to see what your heart is like before he sends you anywhere. And so he might say, hey, I'm, I'm so glad that you're on fire, but uh, just, just wait a little bit. Or uh, some of us will wait on God to do something, right? Who, who has waited on God to do something in their life? I have, right? I waited on God to move things, maybe to move people. Uh, I've, I waited for God to bring opportunities or whatever. So a part of the Christian life is waiting. So how do we get through that? So... The first thing I can notice is that last week, what we saw was that Jesus will show up. That no matter what your story is, no matter what the details are, God will show up. And we saw that through a man named Jairus, whose daughter passed away, but then Jesus came and healed her and brought her back from the dead. And then we saw a bleeding woman who had, who had, who had, had a disease for 12 years and that, and that nobody could cure her. She had spent money and time. And who knows what else, trying to get rid of it, but you couldn't do it. So last week, that's what we saw. We thought Jesus will show up every single time. And this week, here's what we're going to talk about. That not only will Jesus show up, but he'll show up on time. Even when we don't believe that's true. Because there's going to be times in your life where you're going to want God to move a little faster than he's moving at times, right? You're going to want God to move a little faster uh, do something a little bit bigger than what he's doing. Uh, so tonight what we're going to see, uh, we're going to see that, that God's going to show up every single time, but not only show up, but show up on time. So at this point, let me invite my Bible crew, you know who you are, uh, to go ahead and start passing out these Bibles to all these lovely people. Uh, so if you don't have one, uh, raise your hand and they will, and they will give you one because we want you to experience this as well. Um, and if you're watching online, or maybe you're catching this on our podcast channel, go find your own Bible, because we want you to experience God's Word uh, with us in this moment. So, while they are passing those Bibles out, and they're doing a phenomenal job, if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 1. Tonight we're going to be in Mark chapter 1 for a little bit. Uh, so, if you're using one of our Bibles here, that is page 472. Again, page 472 in the Bibles here. And so what we're going to see tonight, and, and while they're finishing passing out this Bible, what we're going to see tonight is we're going to meet 
uh, the third person in this group of six people that we're going to spend time with over this series, uh, we're going to meet a man, which, again, we don't know his name, uh, but we do know this, uh, that he was in a very desperate situation. And one thing that we saw last week is that all of us at times will be into this desperate place. So tonight we're going to spend time with him, um, and then we're going to jump over to another part of the Bible for just a little bit. So, but we're going to start, uh, we're, going to, we're going to begin in Mark chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 40 through 45. So in your Bibles, we're going to read verses, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, and then go back and unpack that a little bit. So, uh, let's read it together. So, verse 40 of Mark chapter 1 says, A man with a, with a leprosy came to him, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean immediately. The leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with, with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priests and other, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could not, <coughs> Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in, lo in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So let's unpack this, okay? Now, there, there's a lot in this story, uh, and as we, as we just saw, inevitably Jesus heals the man, but I want to focus on the beginning part of this just really quickly, um, because there is significance in the beginning of this. So, and here, and, and, and here, is, and here is this, and this is the next thing in your notes, the leper had doubt. When he came to Jesus, he had doubt. Because check it out. Go, go back with me to verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. So by the leper saying, If you will heal me, that's showing some doubt there. Not that Jesus could, not that Jesus had the power to, but if Jesus would. So he, he wasn't doubting what he could do, but he was doubting what Jesus would do. Because you see, the, this, this leper, he was not used to human contact. You all remember last week that the bleeding woman, we talked about how she had a disease. Culturally, she was put out. She was ostracized. She was put out as, as nobody. She, no one talked to her. No one uh, had any kind of relationship with her. You all remember that? So this man was in the exact same place because... Uh, because of what he had. So the leper was not used to contact, which led to isolation. Because uh, if you research into what leprosy is, because obviously back then they didn't have as much uh, uh, medical options as we do today, right? Because things are much more advanced today. Uh, so if you look at leprosy and what it is, uh, if untreated, the disease slowly silences nerve sensors on the hands and feet, and so the afflicted lost the ability to sense human contact or dangerous sensations like heat or pain. So this disease literally took the feeling out of him. When he would go around, when he was there begging 
for anything, and someone might have given him something, when, they, when, when, when their hands brushed, maybe he couldn't feel that. And so not only could he not feel anything, he was also isolated. And so he also couldn't feel any pain. So if he was uh, sitting around a fire or, uh, or, or something like that, and his foot was in the fire, he wouldn't know. Because the leprosy took that from him. And so again, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this last week, but we, we, we did the exact same thing. When someone looks different than us, there's a part of us that retreats a little bit because they look a little different than us. And of course we're not going to say it out loud because that would make us terrible people, but that is the truth. That's what we do. We may not say it out loud, but we thank it. I've been there. I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't care what, what you all think of me. I've been there where I've seen someone who looks different than me. They sound different. They look different. They smell different. They uh, believe different things. And I'll catch myself thinking, man, what, who, like, who are they? So we still do that today. We still <coughs> put people uh, down for being different. But that's not what Jesus did. Did you notice Jesus gave him what he needs? So here's the next thing that I want you guys to realize. It's on your notes. That regardless of the leper's story, Jesus saw him. It would have been really easy for Jesus just to walk on by and to ignore that him, ignore him, right? Jesus could have said, "Hey, man, listen. I know that you want this, but listen, I'm a really busy man. You see this crowd behind me? Like, I am too busy to stop right now." And again, we kind of do the same thing. If we see someone that, that, that has a need or maybe, maybe we walk by someone that, that we can tell is uh, maybe a little homeless or, or maybe they're, they're, they're kind of down on their luck, what we'll do is we will uh, avoid them at all costs, right? I, I, I can even remember times when I was your age that I would see someone like that and I would literally cross the street just to avoid talking to them. Like if I saw them like walking towards me or they're, or they're sitting on, on the sidewalk where I'm at, I would literally cross the street, sometimes through dangerous traffic, just to avoid being around them. Because I saw what they looked like and I said, oh man, they, they must have a rough story. So Jesus could have easily said, he could have easily just walked on by and said, you know what, don't have time for this. But instead, regardless of the leper's story, Jesus saw him. And there is so much power sometimes in just being seen, right? There are some people that the only thing that they want in their life is for someone to see them. They want someone to know that, that someone cares about them, that someone sees them. So being seen is a very powerful thing. So the leper, regardless of his story, regardless of the details, Jesus saw him. So we're... we're, we're we're going to leave that story for right now. But again, I, I want to encourage you. And, and again, there, there's a lot there to unpack in just those simple five verses. But um, I could sit here all night and do that. But you all probably don't want to listen to that. So uh, we are not going to do that. So uh, go, to, go to Psalms. Psalms chapter 40. Okay. So if you're using our Bible here, that is page 261. Sorry, no, 260. So, 260, page 260, because what we're going to see, uh, we're going to get 
a little visit with our old friend David. And we, and we uh, unpacked a little bit of David's story, David's story in our, in our previous uh, series. But we're going to hear from him again tonight because uh, there's more to this. Because, yes, there are some people who just uh, want someone to see them. But there's also people that want a little more than just being seen. And David's going to show us that. So we're going to read verses 1 through 4 in Psalms 40. So Psalm 40, Psalms 40, verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Verse 4, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. So what we see here is that David found himself in a very desperate place. Now we don't know uh, what this psalm is, is in response to. Because if you remember from our last series when we talked about David and his sin with Bathsheba, we looked at a, a psalm of his that was a response to that. So we don't know quite what this uh, psalm was a response to, but we can see it's very clear that he was in a desperate place, right? Because verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. So, uh, have y'all ever got stuck in mud sometimes? Some of y'all? Okay. I have not because I hate the outdoors. Uh, so if I can avoid mud, that is better, okay? Uh, now, some of y'all are, are, are mainly men. You're like, oh, yeah, I love mud. Mud, tires, everything, okay? I despise all of that, okay? But what I know about mud, besides it's gross and dirty, uh, what I know about mud, and it, and it tastes awful, uh, but what I know about mud, but what I know about mud, yes, when I was, when I was little, uh, that's, that might explain some things now, just saying. Uh, but what I know about mud is that at times, the more that you try to get out, the more stuck you get. Right? The more you try, the more you push, the more stuck you get sometimes. So I have to imagine that David was not just sitting there in the mud just waiting for God to do something. I have to imagine he, he, he was probably trying to get himself out of the mud. And so the more that we uh, try to get out, the more, the more stuff we get. But David patiently, and I, I love how it says that he patiently waited for the Lord. Uh, that is my biggest issue, if I'm going to be honest with you guys. Patiently waiting for the Lord. Um, I'll wait on God, but he better work on my timetable. Right? <laughs> he better work on, on, on my sense of time. He better work when I tell him, when, when I tell him to work, when I... When I ask him for things, he better provide those things. So I am terrible at waiting patiently for the Lord. When when Becca and I first got here, uh, I told her, I said, man, it'd be awesome if we could have like 100 kids our first night. Now, Becca is a little bit more sensible than I am. And I praise God for that. Because if she, if, if she wasn't here, I can't promise this building would, be, would still be standing right now. Because uh, we would have some fireworks at this point, uh, maybe maybe a bald eagle flying across the room. I don't know. Uh, but because Becca is uh, smart, 
she has prevented all those things that possibly could have uh, ended up in the building. Uh, so I said, man, it'd be awesome if the first night here, we had a hundred kids. And of course we didn't. That's okay. Uh, it was great. It was great, though. It was great. I mean, I found out your blood type. That is true. Uh, despite. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, positive. Yeah. Oh, positive. It's crazy. So we didn't have that, but I left myself. I, I, I left here. I'm thinking, man, what did I do wrong? What did we do wrong? Right? That's what I was thinking too about myself. Well, more, well, more about you, but you know, that's okay. Uh, we share in that feeling. Mutual respect. Um, but we are, but, but we are terrible. I'm terrible, uh, terrible about patiently waiting for God. There's things that I'm, that I'm ready for you all to experience here that I'm like just fighting out the bit for it to happen. I'm like, I'm, I'm like over here just wire ready for it to happen. But I know that reality is it won't happen overnight. It'd be awesome if it did. Now, like this stage, this is like all your volunteers. Like I, they're much smarter than I am. I went to Cincinnati for a weekend, came back, and it was done. I was like, man, oh, that's my alarm. It's time for Emberlin to eat. Uh, can some of y'all, can we all hit that alarm? Hopefully it didn't stop the live. Uh, but in case you're wondering to know, uh, it is now time for Emberlin to eat. Uh, I know some of y'all were just worried about that. So uh, the, the alarm is set. It's okay, Joe. If you, yeah, it's okay. Technology is not our best friend. Uh, so we are terrible about waiting, but David was not. David patiently waited for the Lord. And here's why. Catch the second part of verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. And here's the next thing I want you guys to know is that regardless of David's story, regardless of David's story, God heard him. God heard him. And it's so amazing to me to know that the God of the universe, the God who created everything that I see, hears me every single time that I talk to him. And it's the same thing for you guys. Every time that you talk to God, he hears you. Even when you don't believe it, even when you don't see it or feel it, he, he hears you guys. And so regardless of David's story, God heard him. So what are some application points for us? And really quickly, here's the first thing. Regardless of our story, because we all got one, regardless of our story, Jesus sees and hears us. So regardless of our story, he sees and hears. Even before we make a decision to be in a relationship with him, he hears us. He sees us. Like he is relentlessly pursuing every single person Regardless of what they think or regardless of, of, of how much they want to be with God, he is relentlessly pursuing them. And he hears them, he sees them. So regardless of our story, whatever it is, whatever the details are, Jesus sees and hears us. And the next thing is this, that Jesus will give us what we need at the right time. And that's a hard pill for us to swallow sometimes, isn't it? Because we'll tell God, hey, I'm ready for it, God. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. But God's going to say sometimes, they're not. And that's a hard thing to hear sometimes. But sometimes God's going to say, hey, wait a little bit, because right now you aren't ready for what you want. You're not ready for what you need, or just the timing isn't right. 
But what we know is that he will give us what we need at the right time. And so tonight as we close, I want to present the gospel really quickly. I know most of you all have been to church your entire life. Maybe you've been here, you've been a Christian for a while. But maybe there's someone who isn't. Because I know some of your all stories, but not the whole story, which is cool. But there's some people I don't know. So there, so there may be someone who needs to hear the gospel tonight. And if you're here and you have, and, and you would say that you've already given your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do some self-reflecting. Because sometimes, well, a lot of times, the real relationship that God wants to have with us looks a little different than we're willing to admit. Because a real relationship with Jesus means that he is involved in your every single day, every single part, every single minute. But sometimes we pick and choose God when it's convenient for us, right? Like in here, it's easy to be all for God, right? We're singing songs of worship. We're around awesome people who love Jesus. So it's easy to, to be all, all team God. But I know that there are moments when you're at school or you're at home where you put God on the shelf and say, I'll come back to you later when it's more convenient for me. You know why I know that? Because I do that still. I guarantee you at least once these adults who are awesome and amazing, they've done that too. Where they pick and choose God. They say, you know what? Uh, it's not really convenient for me right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it. So here's the gospel. You ready? So the first thing is this John 14, 16 says, Jesus answered, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it all begins with Jesus. It all comes through a relationship with Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So how do you get that? How do you become in a relationship with Jesus? Well, Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this, that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So, the way to come into a relationship with Jesus is a belief in your heart that you're a sinner, that you need God to save you, that you need Jesus to save you, that only He can save you, and that He's the only way to God. It takes a belief in that, and then a confession in your mouth, or a confession with your mouth, saying that I believe all those things. Because what we know is that in Romans 3.23 that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So every single person here, regardless of your church history, you have fallen short. You have sinned. Congratulations. You're with like-minded people because we've all sinned. And even after you give your life to Jesus, guess what? You're still going to sin. It's going to happen. So Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but that is not the end of the story. And praise God for that. Because the other part of the story is this, that the wages of sin is death, so because of your sin, because of the things that you do that go against God, you deserve death. I deserve death. Every single person deserves death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when Jesus came down to this earth to die for you and me and to be raised three days later, he did that so we could have eternal life. 
He did that so we can be restored to God. So here's the challenge for tonight. What are some things in your life that are difficult to wait for? You don't have to tell anybody about this, but just think about it. What, what are some things in your life that are difficult to wait for? Because I know you got some stuff that's difficult to wait for. You might not tell me, but I know you got some stuff. And how can you bring that to God? It gives God so much pleasure, so much joy when we bring our stuff to him. Like he wants to be so involved in our lives, even if we don't let him, or even if we don't want him to be involved. So I want you to think about that. Take, take the note sheet with you home tonight. Let that question sink in. What are some things in your life that are difficult to wait for, and how can you bring that to God?